sideways and not looking where you're going, it's going to affect the direction you're going, isn't it? Everything, runners, driving, you've got to look out ahead. And your faith's like that as well. So when you get your faith on, when you get your eyes on the problem, you start moving toward the problem. Your, your, your life follows your vision. Amen? It's, it works naturally. It works spiritually. So absolutely true what, what Mike was saying there. Um, looking at, looking at uh, the word and what, what God is. Uh... Praise God. Let's see. And it's amazing because natural blindness and spiritual blindness are correlated in scripture. They, they, they run parallel. This is why Jesus healed a lot of blind people. It talks about opening the eyes of people. Amen. But there's more to having your eyes open than just seeing Jesus. Because actually, again, the, the, the importance of what we see. Jesus is called the image of the Father. And we are told to conform to his image. Now, he's the image of the Father and we, and we conform to him. He's our image to conform to. At the end of the day, that means we will look like the Father, yeah? If Jesus looks like the Father and we're supposed to conform to Jesus, and do you see what Jesus is the image of the Father and Jesus is the image we are to be conformed to. But I don't know about you. Do you hear an image or do you see an image? An image is, is it's visible, isn't it? The, Colossians says Jesus is the, uh, it talks about he's the image of the invisible God. Well, you cannot see the invisible God. So God gave us a visible image. So you can see the image to know what the invisible God looks like. That's why if you want to know who God is, the will of the Father, what God will do, look at Jesus. He's the image. But, but, but we're to be conformed to that image. So why did God give us an image? For your vision. To build your vision on the inside of you. To see him. And, 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 and to, you can, you'll only change and move in the direction of becoming like him if you see him, because your life moves in the direction of what you look at. Yeah. See, God has to give us an image. You could say a blueprint. Yeah. Yeah, it's focus. So much is there. You focus on your sickness, and a lot of people are focused on sickness, and yet they say they believe in God for healing. What they're going to find is they are moving in the direction of what they're focusing on. So it's, it's such a big thing. Anyway. Good truth. We could we could preach the whole session on that, but I'm going to go on to on to what's on my heart today. Now, two things. I've I'm going to keep repeating this, and I, we even got a poster made of it because this is important. Uh, I, I, I believe the Spirit of the Lord put on my heart. It's time to move forward, and I've been on this now. I think this is either the fourth or the fifth week. I'm on that overall topic. It's time to move forward. Are you guys getting a hold of this? Or is it just a nice message? It's, you, this is something you've got to grab as a, what have we just been talking about? Vision. You've got to be, get, grab this as a vision to begin to believe in your heart that, that I can move forward or areas of my life that have been stuck in a stalemate and that have not been moving for decades. Some people have been fighting the same battles they were fighting 20 years ago with the enemy. The area of their flesh or physical area of their health or their finances. or their, they, they seem to be stuck in a stalemate. And the Lord said it's time for us to move forward. It's time for this church to move forward. It's time for the body of Christ to move forward. It's time for the, 
for you as an individual Christian to move forward. It's time for the church in this nation to move forward because God wants us moving forward. He never intended for us to be static or stationary or stuck. The children of Israel got stuck in the wilderness. They couldn't get out. They couldn't move forward. And a lot of Christians are in situations that they can't seem to move forward in. It, it just seems to keep hitting them. They cannot get through that. So part of it starts with actually the point that we were just talking about. You start, you've got to start get a vision. Get a vision of being free from this thing. The enemy wants you to be so consumed with looking at that problem that you get your eyes on it and, and he wants you to look at it and he wants to tell you over and over again, you're never getting through it. You're never getting through it. That thing keeps beating you. Uh, you might as well give up. And he wants you to just keep looking at the fact that you can't get through it after year after year and eventually convince you that's it. You're never going to get through it. You're stuck. And what does that create? It creates hopelessness on the inside. It causes a sense inside a person like, oh, what's the point of believing God? Oh, I've tried believing God before. Oh, we've tried it before. See, repeated failure, repeating, repeated not getting a breakthrough, repeated not advancing creates a situation where people just want to give up and they don't want to try again, doesn't it? People, you know, you could look at that in a church situation. Oh, you know, oh, this church, oh, this church failed and oh, this church failed and this vision failed. Why bother again? You see, the enemy's strategy uses it in our individual lives, uses it in our churches, uses it to just pull us down. But a large amount of it is to convince us you can't get through this thing. But you've got to begin to believe the word says I can. The word says I can make it. The word says I can get through this. Do you believe you can get through this? Do you believe you're getting through? Do you believe you're coming out on top? I do. Now, connected to that... I've kind of been doing a series within a series because we're looking at what's, go, what's it going to take to move forward. And the first point, the first major point I'm looking at in order to move forward, you've got to realize the word of God is going to make, is, is going to empower you to advance. God's word has the power to enable you to move forward. Now, we need to become convinced the, about this. The enemy's tried to convince us otherwise. The enemy tries to convince Christians, the word, oh, the word's boring. Oh, you don't need the word. Oh, what you really need is a move of the Holy Spirit, not the word. Forget the word. Oh, you don't, oh, you, oh all we do is argue as Christians over the word. The, the word causes divisions. Why don't we just forget about teaching the word and then we won't argue over, argue over doctrine. All we'll do is just pray and not have the word. And we'll have a wonderful revival and a move of the Holy Spirit. But forget the word. Who's trying to talk the church out of the word? Who doesn't want the Christians in the, in the word of God? Do you and we looked at this. Do you remember, I think it was last week, we looked at Adam and Eve. Genesis chapter 1. And God said, let there be light. Let there be. Let there be. And God's creative word is spoken for. Genesis 2, the same God who spoke creatively, let there be light then speaks into Adam, his newly created man. And God said, have dominion. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Now, God is not just giving them instructions. We read that as instructions, but this is a follow-on right after we've seen the creative power of his word. So he's spoken He's shown us the power of his word to create and he begins to speak over man. Have dominion. Be blessed. Multiply. 
And what do you see in Genesis chapter 3? Genesis 3, the very first four words out of the devil's mouth. Remember the serpent? The words that say the devil because that's, okay. The very first four words out of, them, out of the devil's mouth in the Bible. Now, it's not the first words he ever said because later in the Bible, we're told some words he said before then. But the first, in order of things, the first recorded words we have out of the devil's mouth, first four words out of his mouth, has God really said? So Genesis 1, God said, God said, God said. Genesis 2, God said, God said, God said. Genesis 3, did God really say? What's the Bible trying to show us here? See, what was the, the enemy's first attempt thing to try to do in, in Adam and Eve's love? Did the enemy, the first thing the enemy tried to do in Genesis was it to attack Adam and Eve's marriage? And people might say, oh, well, they weren't, they didn't have, I don't want to argue over whether they were married and not married or whether covenants existed back then. I don't want to argue over that. Just think about this. Was the first thing the enemy tried to do attack their relationship? Was the first thing the enemy tried to do uh, to, to, to create division in their home? What's, what's the first thing the enemy tried to do? Shift them off the word. Why? Because if he can get them off the word, he can get them in just about any other area. And, and we've got to realize this. Do you know, do you know Jesus called the, the devil the father of lies? And the word is truth. So because he's the father of lies, he's going to want to get you off the truth. As long as you maintain the truth of the word in your life, you, you have no idea how, how protected you are and how shielded and how much power there is. This is why over and over again, God says, get in the word. And Joshua, we looked at this. I'm still recapping ground a little bit. Joshua, this man who's taking over from Moses, but not only taking over from Moses, he's about to go into real battles. I'm not talking about a spiritual, just a spiritual battle. He's going against people with real knives who can slit his throat with them. Yeah. What does God say to him? Does God say, make sure you do 30 extra press ups each day, Joshua? Because that'll help you be a strong leader. What is God? Now, I'm not going to pray stuff, but what did God say to him? Joshua, get in my word. Meditate in my word day and night. Why? Because that was what was going to have the power to advance Joshua and enable him to win those battles. Do you realize this is true? And why am I still going on about the power of the word? This is our, this is our third or our fourth one now in the power of the word. Why am I, you know, someone might say, well, I know the power of the word. Teach me something else. No, you're not getting it. We need to meditate on some things sometimes, dwell on them and build them on the inside of us. Okay? The word of God has the power to bring that breakthrough into your life that will break you out of the stalemates and into other things. Someone says, what I really need is someone to pray. Pray for me and break the power of the devil over me. I don't have time. I don't want to repeat things I've repeated last time. But see, very often people are looking for what you might call a quick fix. Now, a quick fix miracle is what the children of Israel had in the wilderness. It got them through the crisis. But after a day or two, when the dust settles, they were still in the wilderness. And two days later, they needed another quick fix. 
Now, you've got to decide, do you want just quick fixes, but at the end of the day, you never move out of the, out of the wilderness? The wilderness is, a, is not the best place to be. Quick fix, we're just, this is what a lot of, we've, we, we, we're creating Christians that just want someone, break the power of the devil over me, get me through my crisis. And then two days later, they're in another crisis. Now again, they need another person to break the power of the devil over them and pray them and get them out of their crisis. You know, the only thing that would take the children of Israel out of the wilderness into the promised land was the word, the power of the word. And this is what God has been trying to get his church into. And we keep either shifting off because we're listening to the one who wants to shift us off it. Or we keep pulling back from or we keep getting convinced it's not what we need. And God keeps saying, get there. That is what is going to create the power. I'm be honest with you, even in, the, in this nation, in the United Kingdom, this is what's going to cause the major change in the church. It's needed. It's the power of the word of God. While the enemy is trying to do everything he can to keep the word out of the church. Do you know the enemy will use anyone who will listen to him? Just because someone's in a position doesn't mean it doesn't it, it, in a in a church doesn't mean they they can't they're, they're immune to being used by the enemy. Yeah. Remember when Jesus was about to go to the cross, Peter the the enemy yielded to Peter, and Peter spoke up. He said, oh, no, you don't need to go to the cross. And, and Jesus recognized the source that get behind me, Satan. Yeah? Because it was trying to pull him off what he needed to do. And, and, and the enemy will use anybody, even in a position of power and position in the, in the nation, to keep the church out of the church if that person will listen to and yield to him and, and resist the word. But we need to stand our ground and believe the word is what's needed to bring the breakthrough, to bring the permanent change. Now, I don't want to cover ground I've covered already because it's such good ground that I could re-preach a good message on things we've already said, but I want to get onto some new things. Is that all right? Still about the word. Mark 4. Let's go to Mark 4. This is still about the power of the word. And it's not necessarily new content for a lot of you, but it's dwelling on truths. If you're watching on video and you keep seeing me, Swipe, wiping my face as we are in a really hot, sweaty, and I'm hot. <laughs> sweaty and hot up here today. Okay? But we're still talking about the word, not necessarily new truths. Many, many people know these truths, but it is important to dwell on and meditate and sit on truths and hear the same truths again because it builds it into you. See, growing in, 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 in understanding of the Word of God is a little bit different to learning mathematics or science at school. When you learn mathematics and science at school, once you know the information in here, you don't need to he keep hearing the same information again. You can go and learn on to advance into another class. Many people approach the Bible like they do learning mathematics or science at school. So they think once they know something, they don't need to hear it again. It's why they never advance in their faith. Because the Bible is not just an intellectual book. The Bible is food to your spirit. It feeds your faith. And, and, and when it comes to food, very often you eat the same things again. How many of you have, have maybe at some point in your life, maybe over your, the many decades, <laughs> eaten at some point, repeated a meal at some point, and maybe eaten a roast chicken, and then maybe 20 years later, ate another roast chicken? Anyone? 
Do you eat the same thing sometimes? Not every day, but but you you repeat things. You have peas. Just because you have peas doesn't mean I don't need peas again. See, the word is more than just intellectual information. The word is food, which means you need to feed on some of the same truths. If you stop feeding on truths just because you think your mind knows them, your Christianity will end up intellectual and your faith will be weak. You have to hear things your mind already knows in terms of the Bible to feed on it and grow in it. And that's why I said meditate on it. Okay? That's a bit extra for free. Everyone found Mark 4. Now, Mark chapter 4, just read a couple of verses. Verse 14. We know the parable of the sower. But the theme of this parable is the word. I'm not going to go through the different types of ground today. I'm going somewhere else with this today. But I just want to read verse 14. The sower sows the word. Remember, Jesus talked about... about uh, a sower sowing seed into the ground. So here he is likening the word to what? Seed. Seed. Okay? Now remember that the word is the seed. Follow that through because that theme doesn't change as you go through this chapter. Man added in the headings between the diff what, what man thinks are the different parables. But actually, the theme of the word is the seed follows through a number of things that Jesus says next. So just remember this. The word is the seed. Okay? Read verse 26 and says this. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Is he still talking about the same basic idea? Seed being scattered. The word is the seed. Yes? Don't change topic just because it looks like he's talking about another parable. Now go to verse 30. Then he said, to what shall we liken the kingdom of God or with what parable shall we picture it? It is like mustard. What's the next word? Seed. What's the, what's the seed? The word is the seed. Okay, it is like mustard seed, which now notice this when it is sown on the ground. What was the does anyone remember what the ground was? The ground is us. You could say the heart if you want to be specific, but if you just want to talk generally, we're the ground. Okay, <clears throat> so it is like mustard seed, which when it is sown on the ground is smaller than all seed the seeds on the earth. Now, if something small, it uh, we would you would something that is small often gets mis could easily get mistakenly viewed as being insignificant. Something small, you might think it's not that important. Yeah. When it's first sown into a life, it it might be the smallest thing that's it. It might be the smallest thing going on in your mind. Your mind might be consumed with. Things you've yielded to. Someone, if someone's yielded to stuff and thinking, maybe they're just trained at worrying. Maybe they've yielded to different weird stuff in their thinking. And it becomes obsessed in their thinking. It could be the biggest thing there. But the, and when they start to sow the word in, what's it happen? It might be the smallest thing there. Yeah? When it is sown, it is smaller than all the seeds on the earth. Now notice this. 
And but when it is sown, what what happens? It grows up and read, read, someone give it to me out of your translation. When it is sown, it grows up and yours says becomes larger. Yours says be, becomes greater. Anyone anyone have a Bible translation that says anything different between larger or greater? I'll take that as a no because everyone's quiet. You never know when the people don't respond whether they just don't want to respond. <laughs> no, I'm teasing you guys are lovely. Okay, but so either larger or greater. Mine says becomes greater than all the herbs. Do you realize that the word greater than is a comparison word? Larger than or greater than? Remember your mathematics? Was it the V or the, the V sign like that? And this is greater than that. You could never figure it out. I always remember because when, the, when it's a V sign like that, the one that it's pointing to, it's like an arrow, is the smaller one. So if you put it that way, and it's, I don't know, anyway. <laughs> but if you change it around, it, 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 it's, it's anyway. I don't want to, we'll spend you know, 10 minutes talking mathematics symbols, but, but greater than is a comparison. The word. If something grows up and becomes greater than something else, then we, we, would you agree with, with me this? It has an overpowering effect. The word, when it is sown, let's say it's sown into someone's life and maybe there's sickness. Maybe that sickness has consumed their body and that sickness is, 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 is right now the greatest thing in their life. That sickness is, is strong in their body, it's, and it's powerful, and it seems to be slowly killing their body, or maybe rapidly killing their body. Maybe it's a, it's, it's a fatal thing, a cancer. Maybe it's a condition in the body. And, and, and whatever it is, that thing seems to be the most powerful thing in their life at that time. And what happens? You begin to sow the word, and the word seems like, what's the word going to do against that? So some, some people despise the size of the word and the power of the word, they just think, oh, that's just, it's not going to have a big enough effect. You know, can't, the big cancer, cancer. But what did he tell us about the power of the word? When it is sown, it might be smaller, but it has the power to become greater, larger. When you sow it in and you invest it in and you sow it into that situation, What's going to start to happen? The word has an overpowering effect. Now, if you get that revelation, that should tell you this. Man, get the word sown into my situations. Because we've already looked at this. The word has the power to change things. To change them into what? The word has the power to change things into what the word says. Isn't that what happened in Genesis? What did God say in Genesis? It was dark. And God said, let there be light. And what happened? His word changed the environment into what he said. Now, God came to Abraham and said, I have called you a father of many nations. And what happened to Abraham? Romans 4 tells us a summary of it. Talks about Abraham believed it. Now, when God spoke to Abraham and said, You're the, I've called you a father of many nations, was Abraham yet a father of many nations? Not when God said it. See, someone says, well, I don't understand. 
how God says it. You don't understand. I don't look healed. I don't realize when God says by his stripes you're healed. What's, no, when God said it, Abraham was not it. But the power of his word to turn it into what he said. So God called Abraham a father of many nations. What, what does Romans 4 tell us? It says, against hope, Abraham believed. Now notice this phrase. He became the father of many nations. In other words, Abraham was not, but the power of the word turned him into what the word said. That's the power of the word of God. The word of God has the power. And, it, and when you sow it, it might be the smallest seed. But what happens? You keep investing it. You keep sowing it in, believing that faith comes by hearing. This is something begin to believe. You can begin to say the word is going to overpower that situation. Instead of the, the enemy says, oh, what's the point of saying the word? The word's not going to do much. You say, shush, enemy, I'm not listening to you anymore. The word is going to overpower that situation in my life because the word has the power to overpower. So I take the word on healing and I sow it in and I invest it in. The biggest thing at the moment might be the physical condition. But as you put the word in, what will happen? What did he say? The word has the power to overpower and become greater. And when it overpowers and becomes greater, it will turn that situation into what the word says. Someone says, my life doesn't look very blessed. You read to Christians, the, it's getting hot because the sun's coming in here again. If I just stand here and preach in front of the fan, you guys won't mind, will you? You take scriptures like, which, where the Bible says, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law, uh, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us. And someone says, well, I don't feel very blessed. My life just looks really cursed. Just everything keeps going wrong. Everything goes, fails. I'm not, I'm not very blessed. See, people insist on, going with what they see but what god says is go with what my word says my word says it differently to what you currently see but the word has the power everyone say the word has the power the word has the power to overpower and to turn and to change the current situation into what the word says when you sow the word in and you just, you, you, that's why you, you keep standing. You don't, you, I'm not backing off the word. The word will do it. When the biggest situation in my life is the physical problem and I keep sowing healing in, I do that believe the word is going to grow greater than that current thing. Amen. I don't know about you. Is that good news? Let, let, let me, let, let me read another. Let me, let me look at another scripture quickly. Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.12. Well, one of the reasons I'm spending time at the moment talking about the word is because we as Christians actually need to be pulled back onto the word quite regularly. And, 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 and the, the, there was a lot of teaching of the word over the last few decades, but the enemy has really tried to pull the church back off this. He is terrified of the word. We need to get back to being, being saying, saying, I'm a word Christian and I'm not backing off the word of God. Because the word has the power. Many Christians, if they think you need power, they think in terms of we need the Holy Spirit. I, I, I perfectly believe the Holy Spirit is powerful, has power. I'm not disputing that. 
but the word is also powerful. Now, I'm gonna, I, 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 won't, I might not get to all of them today, but I'm going to show you the amount of Greek words that are, you remember the New Testament's written in Greek? The amount of Greek words where terms are used. Do you know the word, if, the word dunamis? Anyone know the word dunamis? What is dunamis? Power, or we might say miraculous power. Jesus said in, 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 in Acts 1.8, you shall receive dunamis when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And so people think, yes, if you want dunamis, you need the Holy Spirit. Actually, that word dunamis is also used a number of times in the New Testament to, in reference to the word. So does the word contain dunamis too? Is the only way to get dunamis being a prayer meeting? I'm not against prayer meetings. We pray. We pray every day. But a lot of people are not convinced about the dunamis that's in the word of God itself. The word authority, the word, um, sorry, another one of the ones that, that's often translated power, uh, energio, which means to be active, to, to, to it's active power, energy. That one is used in Ephesians 1 when it talks about the power that is working in us. That word is also used for, in, in a verse, referring to the word of God, and it uses energio. All, a, a lot of the different Greek words that get translated power are in some place in the New Testament used in a verse in reference to the word. What's, what's God trying to say? She's trying to begin to realize the word itself is powerful. Can you take a verse of scripture and stand on it believing that that verse contains power? Yes, you can. The enemy will try to tell you otherwise. He'll try to find ways of talking you out of it. I won't get to them all today. We'll see how the time goes, but I'm going to do a couple of them. Is that all right? Hebrews 4.12. You don't mind if we talk about the Word of God for a few weeks, do you? If I don't get to the end of my message, this is the lovely thing when you, when you do a series. If you don't end the message, you just pick back up next week. <laughs> Sometimes people think I've got to end my message, you know, get through my three points. Sometimes you just get to point one, you just stop and you pick it up next week. <laughs> Hebrews 4.12. We know this verse says this, for the word of God is what? Living, and some translations say living and active. Man says living and powerful. Does anyone else say anything different? Either living and active or living and powerful. Alive, Alive and active, yeah? Okay, well, the, good, the, the useful thing to do is to go back to the original Greek and just see what are these words. And actually active and, and alive are relevant and so is powerful. But before I do that, actually, I will do that part of it now. That part there where it says, yours says active, mine says powerful, is actually energies. E-N-E-R-G-E-S. Energies. But it, I might get my pronunciation wrong of Greek because I'm not a Greek scholar. But yeah. Yeah. But it is what that, it's an adjective. It's a descriptive word. And it means to be active. To be operative. In other words, to, that's why the word active is a very good one. It is active, it is, and it actually also means effective power, effectual power. So it means there, it says, the word of God is working, is another way to say it. If it's active, it's working. The word is active, it is working. 
What happens so when you sow the word into a situation, you believe the word is powerful, you believe the word will become greater, but add this belief on top of it. I believe the word is working in my situation. It's active. As I've sown the word into my body, the word is active, creating that healing and creating what God said. Energizing. It's energizing. It's active in that situation. When you put the word into a situation, it, 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 it does the word just go to sleep? Does the word go, oh, I don't feel like healing today. I'm going to go to sleep. I'm going to lie down. No. What, what does God say his word is? It's active. So when I put his word into the situation, that word goes to work in that situation. Believe that. The word of God is working. The word that I've sown into my body. The enemy will tell What is the enemy? He'll try to tell you the otherwise. Oh, it's not doing anything. Ever had that one? Oh, it's not doing anything. What's he trying to talk you into? He's trying to talk you out of the activeness of the word. The word's not doing anything. It's not, it's not working. But here he says, what happened? The word works. The word is active. It is operational. It, it, when you sow it in, it kicks into gear and it starts to do. It's, it goes in. It, it's, it, I'm, I'm lost for words. I can't quite find the word I'm trying to. I'm just going to say the same one. It's active. There we go. <laughs> what do you do when you can't find a better way to say it? You just say it the same way, yeah? <laughs> the word has the power to do. I'm going to show you some more on that in just a moment if we have time. If anyone gets too hot and would rather go, that's okay. But notice this. Someone read for me. Keep going in Hebrews 4. My version says this. For the word of the Lord is living and powerful. And then the next phrase says, and sharper than any two-edged sword. What does your one say? Sharper than. Anyone else? Sharper than. What does yours say? Sharper. There's another comparison word. Remember what did we read in, in Hebrew? In, uh, we've quoted so many. Mark 4. He says, the word when it is sown is smaller, but it grows up and becomes greater than. Remember that phrase? You thought I'd forgotten about that and moved on from that. Yeah, he says, sharper than. That's a comparison again, isn't it? I never really thought about it. I always heard people say the word is a two-edged sword. I might say that somewhere else, but I was reading this one. And I thought, hold on, it doesn't quite say that in this verse. It doesn't say the word is a two-edged sword. It says it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It's a comparison word. What's, what, what are we, what, 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 what's it trying to show us here? It's trying to get us in our thinking. The word is sharper than. The word is bigger than. The word is greater than. The word is more powerful than. It's what goes back to what Mark was saying. What you got your eyes on. Oh, but you know, this situation is so big. No matter how big the situation, the word is bigger than. Get yourself thinking like this. The word is more powerful than this. Oh, but this is, this, this is a cancer. This can kill you. Yeah, but the word is more, is more powerful than that cancer. This is something to build into yourself. Make that comparison because the enemy wants to always overwhelm you with the size of the situation. But begin, remind yourself on a regular basis, the word's bigger than that. God's word's more powerful. than. Why does he use these comparison words? Because he wants you to believe that the power of his word, his word is powerful enough to overpower anything. 
and it's active. It kick, when you sew it in, it kicks into motion and it starts working in that situation to bring itself to pass and to do what, what God said. That's some good news there. Running around the building, praising the Lord. Yes, that's good news. No, I'm not going to make you run around the building. Don't worry. We're British in this place. <laughs> we haven't run around the building. You wait. Okay. Sharper than the sharpest. Oh, I like that. What version is that one? Sorry? NLT. Sharper than the sharpest. Oh, that's good. You don't get sharper than the word. That's the sharpest sword there is. Do you see the comparison factor here? And, 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 and God wants us to begin to realize the word has the power. Let me, let me quickly, I'm going to do two more verses quickly. We'll do one of them quickly and the other one we'll, we'll pause on and then we'll finish. Is that all right? Because I know it's hot. But James chapter 1. James chapter 1. We'll finish in a minute. It won't take me long. Yeah. It's the word that is powerful. I speak it because I believe it's powerful. That's the thing. It, it, when you begin to, you have a conviction in the power of the word itself. This is why I've said in other days, when God says meditate in my word, we think wrong. We think, oh, I'm going to meditate in the word. Oh, God's going to slap my hand if I don't meditate in the word. That's wrong thinking. Oh, I didn't read my Bible today. God's going to be upset with me. That's wrong thinking. We get into a works program. The reason God says meditate in the word is not to impress him. The reason he says meditate in the word is because you believe in the power of that word. And you begin to realize this is so powerful. I'm going to soak my life in it. And that's why he, said, he tells you how to do it. Soak your life in it. Not to please him, but because then its power will go to work. Does it make sense? People think, oh, I've got to confess the word. Bye, stripes on me, bye, stripes on me. God, are you happy now? You got it all wrong. You're thinking wrong. You are speaking it out of conviction that that power is released into your life because you believe in the power of the word. That's why this message on the power of the word is so important that I'm preaching right now. There's a lot of people going through the motions of faith, but they've lost their conviction in the power of the word that their faith stands upon. I speak the word because I believe in the power of the word. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you see, it's often it's because, to be honest with you, this is a basic message, the power of the word. But, you know, we, we, this is not being preached a lot by a lot of circles. This is why I thought I'm going to dwell on this. I could do one message on the power of the word, but I, we're going to camp on it a bit because we, we want to be a word-based, word-focused, word-saturated body. Not because we, we go around and for any other reason, look at me, whatever, but because we are convinced in the power of the word to do some things. I've been, this is why these verses are important. I wanted to go through these slowly, meditate on each one of them. We probably know half these verses, but I want you to camp on what, what we're told about the word, what it'll do. The word is greater, yeah? The word is sharper. Look, look at another one, James chapter 1, verse 21. I'm getting so hot up here. Uh, yeah, I'll be ready to stop in a second. <laughs> don't, worry, don't worry. You might think, oh, man, he's preaching lots and I'm so hot. I'm, I'm, don't worry. I'm really hot too. I'll stop in a minute. But you see, you've got to get used to when you come listen to me preach, you've got to have at least three hours. No, I'm teasing you. 
James chapter 121 says this, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word. So what's he talking about? The word. He's about to tell you something. Now notice this. The implanted word which is able. Pause there. The word is able. Now here he says able to save your souls. But notice that phrase, the word is able. That word able, it means it talks about ability to be possible. It talks about the resources or the capability of something. The word is able to do it. One of the other verses, one of the one of the other verses that, that I, I won't turn to this one right now. I, I, I've got so many. I'm gonna just like I said, I could go on ages. But some of us know this. We'll look at these maybe in future weeks and we'll refer, refer to them. But Isaiah 55 talks about, remember, as the rain, my thoughts are not your thoughts. And he says, as the rain comes down from heaven and waters the earth. And he's not trying to teach us about rain. He's trying to teach us about his word because he says, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void. What is, does anyone know the next phrase? It shall accomplish. There we go, right there. The word is able. It will do what it's sent to do. I believe the word is able. That's, that's something. Meditate on that all week, my word. Just build on The word of God is able to do this. The enemy's, you know what? The enemy's tried to talk you out of the ability of the word. Oh, the, it's not going to, oh, just give up on all that faith stuff. It's not going to do it. Why? I, fi I finally woke up one day and I thought, why is the enemy trying to spend so much time telling me it won't work? It must be because it works and he's terrified of it. <laughs> You're not going to sit on your shoulder all day. It's not working. It's not going to work. Oh, it's not give up on it. But it's not going to work. He's not going to do that if, it if he's not afraid of it. <laughs> but you need to become convinced this is working. The word will accomplish. The word will do. I believe in the power of the word of God. I believe that God's word will do. When I set it in motion, it goes to work and it becomes greater and sharper. And it becomes the most powerful thing in that situation. See all these verses, the word will do it. The word is able to do it. The word has the power in that situation. It's why people, people come to me and say, oh, I, you know, what do I need? What do I need in my life? I've got this crisis going on. And I say, you need the word. Why do so many Christians not absorb that statement and go, wow, you're right, wow. Why do they go, oh, really? And they go running to someone else. Because they are not convinced of these truths I'm talk, talking. We've not, we're not hearing this. We're not teaching people this properly. We're letting the devil convince the church out of the power of the word to be the, the answer in that situation. This is the creative word of God that created this entire planet. That's why I spent it in the last couple of weeks. He spoke every, every single thing you see and can touch came into existence because of the word of God. The power of that word. And we are privileged. How many beings has God given his word to and say, yeah, go use the power of it in your own life? Do the ants? The kitty cats. I love kitty cats. But uh, do you see them reading their Bible? I have dogs. 
I know everyone has different opinions about things. Has God given them his word and say, go, go and use the power of my word in your life? No. Now, his word created all of it. We are privileged. We are the only beings he has given his word to and said, use it in your life. Release its power in your life so that it'll do in your life what I said it'll do. That's a privilege. And then the enemy tries to come. He does exactly to us what he did with Adam and Eve. He tries to shift us off the word. Did God really say, oh, it's not working. Don't bother with that. God's holding out on you. Oh, stop confessing and believing and speaking the word. You've got better things to go and do as a Christian. Get someone to go and rebuke it, but get off the word. <laughs> Why? Because the word is central to a lot of those, the other things working in our lives. And the word is what is going to advance you properly and permanently out of constant crisis and into the promised land, not just running around from one crisis to another in, in, the, in the wilderness. Amen? So remind me as we finish, what are we seeing? The word is greater than. The word is sharper than. Comparison. The word is able. The word which is able has the ability, contains, and there's other verses which say this as well. And he said, my word will accomplish. When it's sown into a situation, it will do what it says. So become convinced of that. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word. Father God, we are convinced. I believe that your word is alive. Your word is powerful. Your word contains the power that we need. Your word has the ability to, when it's released into a situation, and I can stand on and believe your word and know that your word will do exactly what you said it'll do. And so, Father, I thank you for the power of your word working. Even as I've taught today, I thank you as I've taught the word, Lord, your word is sown into hearts here and becomes greater and greater and greater. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, Father, I thank you. The word of God is working in my life. The word of God is doing in my life. Now, I'm praying and I'm saying this, but this is what I want you guys to think for a moment. Just the word of God is doing in my life what God said it'll do. God's word is doing exactly. I'm, I will not be talked out of the fact that the word is working. I will not be talked out of the fact, uh, the truth that the word is becoming greater. It's working in that situation. Its power is being released into that situation and it's bringing to pass what it needs to do. Whether it's my health, my finances, my family or anything else. And I, I will keep standing on the word. I will keep speaking the word, knowing that the word is growing up and becoming greater and turning that situation around. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I thank you, Lord. I'm not, I'm not going to believe. I don't believe the word fails. I believe the word works. The word does what you sent it to do. So we give you the glory and honor for that, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Amen. That's why. Did he just say preach the word? <laughs>